it's basketball season and we've got you covered. The Ringer NBA show breaks down the latest and greatest around the league five days a week. Check out The Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Say something funny before we go. <laughs> I'll do. Hello and welcome back to the Stato Podcast Ringer FC. I'm Misa Kwonga. Why are you saying it like that? Because I'm just happy to see you. No, you're not. Don't lie. <laughs> I'm, I'm Ryan Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's begun already. It has. Do you know why I did that as well? Because... Why? Why did you do it? Because the weather in Berlin is quite grim, so I just thought we needed some hype. It's November all over again. It's very November energy, actually. In more ways than one, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm actually really, really good. How about yourself? I'm all right. Thanks, man. I mean, I know we had a time off, but did you really have that much time off? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, I didn't actually. No, oh dear. but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Managed to get a couple of days, but um, ended up having quite a lot of stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, one of which was obviously Wrighty's house. Wrighty and I were joined by Amy Lawrence last week. We did a David Rocastle special. So if you've not checked that, uh, please go back and listen to Wrighty's house on the Ring RC feed. That was really. It's a really nice kind of just chat about Rocky and his legacy, what he was like as a guy, what he was like as a player, because obviously him and Wright grew up together and Amy knew him. That was such a beautiful tribute. I've got to say, I was listening to it the evening after you put it up and it was just, it was like great radio. You're just drawn into it. And I just sat there. It was funny. I've never listened to a podcast where I've been so tempted to go and just research more and read more and look mm. at more highlights and look at more interviews and more context. It was really incredible. It took about two hours to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did like, um, an audio montage at the beginning as well, which was like a bit of, we started the show a bit differently and uh, we had an amazing tune by Zvar who let us use that. We actually added it to our outros playlist and yeah, we got like some voice notes from 
Uh, Tony Adams, Steve Bowl, Lee Dixon, Alan Smith, Michael Thomas. So kind of put those in there with some commentary and some old archive clips as well. I'd like to do more of that actually on stuff. Soundscaping. One of the reasons why I didn't have as much time off as I would have liked was Stadio site is back up. Yep, yep. Stadio.football, we've redone the site. Looks amazing. And um, we had a piece go up on Friday by um, Abbas Asaria, who wrote a really cool preview to the Copa del Rey final that happened on Saturday night through the prism of like Basque food. It was a really lovely read. And thanks to, to Abbas for, for writing that. Yeah, it's a beautiful essay. I just have one warning to anyone that does read it. Um, make sure you've eaten beforehand. It'll make you so right? hungry. Yeah, so make sure you've eaten beforehand because, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, talking about the food of yeah. a wonderful region and also just especially focused around two of my favourite cities in Spain. Yeah. yeah. San Sebastian <laughs> and Bilbao, both incredible cities. If anyone hasn't been there, mm. once this is all over and you get a chance to go, please go because they're great. So yeah, that was really cool. And we're going to start putting more stuff up on there mm. again. Yeah. We're reformatting some of the old pieces, just tweaking them for the new the new kind of layout of the site. But yeah, stadio.football, go and check. Obviously, the ringer.com forward slash soccer for all of your footballing needs on the ringer. For every, yeah, for every take on football that you thought you needed and for some you didn't want, but you're going to get anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd say for every take on football that you definitely didn't need. Yes. You probably <laughs> didn't want. But for some reason you're drawn to it anyway. It's like the it's like the moth in Bugs Life. Don't go towards the light. Don't go towards the light. He's like, I can't help it. I can't <laughs> is, help it. Is there a football take really that anyone on this earth actually needs at this point? Not one. <laughs> actually, this is a, this is the thing that I realized about the return of um men's club football this weekend was just Felt like Neo in the Matrix dodging bullets, but they were just each bullet was a take. The takes were oh my god! I actually sent you that thing, didn't I, from the Wicker Man? <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> you know, so Moose and I were talking about something. I can't remember what it was now, but um, mocked up a quick meme of uh, <laughs> Nicholas Cage in the Wicker Man, where he's got he's like, no, 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 not the bees, not the bees. But it was the subtitle said, no, no. Not the takes. Oh no, not the takes. Not the takes. takes. Not the takes. <laughs> there were some wild takes this wild, weekend. Wild, wild, wild. Considering that everyone's completely knackered, a load of people have got COVID and they've just come back off an international break in an unprecedented season. It's like, man, let them live. Can I, can I say this? I know I've said this maybe once before on the podcast, but I want to say it again. There's a part of me that in my will, I want to leave, like I want to record a podcast of hot takes to be released only after I'm gone. Possibly it's going to be like Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the <laughs> yeah, Fire, exactly. it's just going to be naming people that you yeah. want to call out. Yeah, like two hours. <laughs> two hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then just drop it on the Ringer FC feed like say, sayonara. <laughs> we didn't want your heartaches, but you always gave them and we didn't ask. <laughs> oh yeah. dear. Anyway. Um... Anyway, yeah, so actually, you know what? A really great week of weekend of football. Yep. Uh, uh, before we do move on, though, uh, yeah, I need yeah. to do some more rabbin. If you do listen to a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. It very kind of you if you can. Thanks to everyone who checked our 150th episode, The Chaotic 11. And thanks to everyone who's emailed us since with their suggestions for their club's most chaotic 11. Uh, we'll be doing another episode of the uh, in maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a few weeks, where we'll read out those. So yeah, keep them coming for now, and we'll try and get through 
uh, the best ones when we do that show. Also, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Hanging in there, getting vaccinated, if you can. I think that's everything. Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, so today, let's begin with 2020's Copa del Rey final, which took place in Seville on Saturday night. A Bass derby for the first time in the final between Athletic Club and Real Sociedad. Both sides looking for their first Copa del Rey since the 80s. You could tell, couldn't you? Yeah, it was very, it, was, it seemed like a, quite an emotional game in general, I think, because obviously being a Bass derby, well, before we move on, maybe we should summarise the so Real Sociedad, for those who didn't know, won the game 1-0, thanks to Ayothabal penalty in the second half, mm. which Martinez was sent off for and then invited back on the pitch, yeah, yeah, but just, yeah. just for yellow. Yeah. Real Sociedad's first trophy since 1987's Copa del Rey. Brutal weight. Won by Imanol, their coach, who was born in the Basque region, came up through the Real Sociedad youth system, played for Real Sociedad B, played eight years for the first team before then rejoining them as a youth coach in 2011. Coaching and managing the B side and then taking over as the head coach three years ago. And after the game, he did this amazing thing in the press conference where he got a shirt and a scarf and he started singing like a fan. And he said this amazing thing where he said, if you excuse me for one second, I'd like to put the coach aside and, and speak as a Real Sociedad fan. And I think this was the thing that was so amazing. Uh, Alexandra Johnson wrote this amazing thread actually about um, the amount of players that were playing who were in the game for the size that they supported as kids and posted pictures of them as kids. So like Iñaki Williams in his athletic yeah. kit, uh, Ilya Ramendi in his Real Sociedad kit, all of this kind of stuff like Munayin, all of these players who were playing for the size that they grew up supporting. Yeah. In such a gigantic game. And one thing I thought was really, really incredible was so out of the 30 players that featured in the game, including subs, only six were non Basque. Oh my God. Do you know what's funny? Because when I saw Ayatharbal score the penalty, I thought, how fitting that it'd be him, considering he'd come through the entire ranks. But the fact that it was such a Basque game, yeah. you know what's funny about it as well? The celebration. It didn't look like it was goading. It looked like an, a positive draw. You know, like sometimes when you see a Basque, a, um, a derby celebration of any type, it looks like someone's putting one over the other, like, you know, that kind of, with all respect, I mean, like the Manchester derby, like Manchester's red, Manchester's blue. It mm. feels like a kind of, it's an assertion of dominance, but it's done with regard to the other. Whereas this just felt like the joy of, this is a, it's a joy which doesn't, we're not trying to put down whoever we beat. It's just, this is like an unleashing of, how do I say this? this it's more of a celebration of, Basque, yeah, it, it, of the exactly. Basque region as opposed to like, we, we exactly. run the Basque region. And specific, you know I mean? I exactly. Think. Yes. I mean, you saw it in Berlin, for example, for a while where- Right, you've nailed Union it. Yeah. And, yeah. Union and, and Hertha, the, the rivalry has only really ramped up in the last couple of years. Yeah. Before that, it was very much a polite rivalry. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. And do not, yeah. there's something else going on, which was that one other thing I want to throw in as well before I forget is that- um, it reminded me, like, you know that great Spurs team under Pochettino, they didn't get a trophy to kind of cap it. And mm. This reminded me, like, this Sociedad team has played some of the best football we've seen in the last, you know, few years. And the fact that they've now got a trophy to show for this period mm. is really lovely, I think. And yeah, I'm I think re- it's amazing. Yeah, I'm I really happy for, for that perspective. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought it was uh, kind of amazing because, like, when you look at the team sheets, 
And I know that, you know, both sides, well, obviously athletics still have the Basque, Basque only policy, but Real Sociedad had it till the late eighties. But even so, like, it looks like one of those old team sheets from the eighties. Yeah, it's old school, isn't it? And I think what's amazing is the footballing talent the region continues to generate. Oh, it's, it's incredible. That, that's remarkable. What I'll say as well is the game, it was fitting it was decided by a penalty considering the quality of the defences. Any game in which you watch David Silva have to drop that deep to make the play, yeah. you know there's trouble. Like there were just so few ways through. And it's a shame for Inigo Martinez because he had a really fine game. Um, and there was just no margin in this. I mean, it's, and also as well, I've got to say this, the game wasn't the best, but also the conditions were brutal. Mm. Very difficult to play the kind of football that both teams can play at their best when the ball's being bogged down like that with the rain. And it's, when it's, it's either being bogged down in the midfield or it's skipping over the turf so fast. Mm. I mean, it's going so quick that even, I mean, these are, you've got some pretty fast forwards in both teams, I think it's fair to say. And even they were struggling getting onto the end of some of those passes. So yeah, the, the conditions were against both teams in terms of a footballing spectacle. But I think also the weight of history is something we can't count out. I mean, this is a, this is a team, this is a league where the trophies, unfortunately, are shared among mm. a couple of big teams more often than they should be. Yeah, I'm just really happy that Sosa have got something to show for this period of brilliant football they've shown us. I'm really glad for them. Yeah, me too. And I think that as a complete neutral, mm. as a, and I mean a complete neutral, obviously it yeah. would be lovely to see Athletic win the Copper as well to end their kind of major trophy drought. Because apart from the Super Copper, they've not won anything. Uh, the Spanish Super Copper, that is. They've not really won anything for a while. Yeah. I know that'll upset a lot of Barca fans and I apologise for that. But I think if, if for a pure underdog ruining neutral kind of thing, seeing Real Sociedad win this, maybe if Athletic win the 2021 final, then it kind of feels a little bit like everyone's happy. Obviously, Barca won't, but Barca are going to push for the league now, as we'll probably touch on in a little bit, because they, we're recording this ahead of their game tonight, but they're, they could go, what, two points behind Athletic? And with the two sides having to play each other. But yeah, it was just, it was just amazing to see in a year that has been so soulless for football on the whole. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, the reason that the game was delayed to the season was because both sides wanted to delay it so that they could have fans in the stadium. Obviously, that was, that couldn't happen anyway. Again, it is such a shame that fans weren't there. However, I think that you saw the, you know, you saw the emotion of like Oyatabal after the game when he was interviewed and he was in pure tears of joy or like tears of relief or tears. He's like, he looked overwhelmed at what they've achieved. Like that was the first title in his lifetime. Amazing. Yeah. Like Imanol was the first trophy that, since he was 15, I think. It means everything. Yeah. It it's, means everything. it's so, so important stuff like that. And I think that in it, like I say, in a year that has felt quite devoid of joy overall for, for football, I think it was even though it would have been amazing to see fans there and have it done in a normal environment. Seeing a trophy mean that much to a side like Real Sociedad, I think is, it was just a really lovely moment. Yeah. There's something quite nice about it happening over Easter as well, because at a time when people are more focused on community and family and at home anyway, I don't know, it, it worked out maybe quite well in terms of maybe collective viewing experience because the world has kind of slowed down anyway. So actually it worked out pretty well. Sometimes you get these major finals at times when there's just so much else in the world going on. But I think, you know, just hoping in terms of the celebrations that Sociedad will have, of course, you know, remain responsible. But hopefully, judging by Imanol's passion, 
I mean, this is a result that will be celebrated. Like, this oh, isn't, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that they, you know, because they had that real Champions League push last season and dropped off towards the end. And mm. losing Martin Odegaard for them was huge because he was expected to come back this season. But obviously, getting David Silver instead is a huge coup for them. He's had some a couple of injury issues mm. this season. But I think there was a real danger of a lot of that joy that Real Sociedad created last season, especially, kind of being forgotten. Mm. I think, like you say, like it was really important for them to important but I think it was just really nice that they managed to what's the word the mark this era yeah 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 exactly and exactly. it will always be there now as like yeah. a really good era for the club because you'll glance over the history books and be like oh they want to they want to cope at El Rey and they'll be like you have no idea how good that team was to watch like yeah yeah, yeah. massive congrats to L'Oreal and um yeah the second final is what in a couple of weeks yeah yeah a couple of weeks now wild Barca against Athletic Club if you haven't read it already, obviously go to Stadio.Football, go and read Abbas's piece about the food of the Basque region. Yeah. It's, uh, it's wonderful. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Elsewhere in Spain, we'll keep it very brief on La Liga, but Real Madrid... 2-0 over Abar. Yep, to uh, keep pressure on Atleti, who lost in Seville against Sevilla. I want to keep this brief on Atleti because we'll talk about them, no doubt, throughout the rest of the season, but obviously their leaders completely evaporated now. Uh, yes, and then Atleti go top if they... Sorry, Real go top if they win in the Clasico. But they will have played a game more than Atleti. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. So I don't think it's as cut and dried as a lot of people were making out after the weekend because, like you say, there is a Clasico to play. Right. And Barca also host Atleti. And Sergio Ramos is out. Whilst Atleti is stuttering, I don't think it's as cut and dried as people make out. And I actually... I was thinking, though, it would be so Atleti for them to beat Barca, go four points clear, and then draw against Osasuna and Valladolid on the final two games of the weekend. Uh, totally. The season. It, you know, it's their real problem. The problem for Atleti, beyond any kind of nerves or anything, is they don't, um, it's the chance creation. That's the thing. Mm. I wouldn't say it's like, oh, they're bottling this or that. It's the chance creation issue. And you can draw a parallel with, for example, it sounds like a wild take, but. You? Wild take? I know, I know. And it, so, you know, watching Chelsea a lot, Chelsea's movement of the ball is brilliant, but there's a chance creation issue to an extent. And it's, this is not a judgment of the teams. It's not a judgment of like nerve, as I don't think it's about nerve. It's just about, there's something at Letty that's slightly clogged up in the attack. Hot take. I think Atleti's early season form was so good that it made people forget how competitive La Liga can be if you give those other teams a chance. Because you look at like Levante, for example, and teams that are actually quite tough, teams that give you a game, those teams actually basically, they upped their game 
and Atleti slightly dropped their level and then everyone just started feeding. Think. Well, I think this is it. I think the, the top four in La Liga, maybe, definitely the top three, I think has fallen off compared to what they were. Right. So I think that just the, the gap between the, the mid table and the bottom sides compared to the top on the whole, mm. I think is closer than it's been for a little while. And I think we mentioned this before the season started that we actually said like, you know, in terms of a league, we think La Liga's in trouble this year. And I think that the European results have kind of supported that argument. Yeah. And that it's just no way the, the strongest league in Europe anymore. No. Not, I don't think it's anywhere. I don't think it's near it. But it's not a Mickey Mouse league. No. I don't think any of, the, I don't think really any, any of the top leagues in Europe are Mickey Mouse leagues at all. I hate that kind of argument, but I just think that, I think the gap is a little bit closer than it has been. And I think it's more of, I think some of the mid-table sides have improved a little bit. Yeah, for sure. But I don't think the top three are as lights out. And to be honest, it's mainly the top two, if you think about it. It's mainly Barca and Real Madrid's drop-off that I think has condensed everyone together. Do you know what's so funny? When I watch, when I watch Benzema playing for Real Madrid, it's like watching someone who's been... It sounds ridiculous. But it's like, like Jason Statham in The Transporter, like someone who's been brought in to do a job. You, know, like, you look at Real and it's like, it's like a patchwork team. It doesn't look... You know, like Real at their best, play with that fluidity. They're like a team unit. Whereas this, it looks like we know this is a patchwork season and we need someone to fill in the gaps. We need players to come in and just basically put in strong shifts. And Benzema has just been putting in shifts all season in that way. Like, of course it was him that scored the clinching goal against Abra. Of course it was. Like, it's just that kind of season. And of course it would be Ramos who gets in the last ditch tackle in a previous game that preserves a clean sheet because mm. if they do win the league and there's still a long way to go it will be the most makeshift league title triumph I've seen in a very long time oh you saying asterisk no not no, no. Yeah, <laughs> definitely but it, actually no it was, Mr. asterisk got quagga actually what I will say and actually what since I just let me contradict myself quickly in the same way that the Messi Paulino league title felt like a kind of makeshift season where the team never fired entirely for the whole season but you had mm. like key performances throughout. This is very much a kind of key, key performance season for Real as opposed to a team performance season, if that makes sense. Mm. Just people stepping up every now and again. So yeah, that's, a, that's La Liga, I think, in a nutshell. Well, the other thing I wanted to touch on was the Cadiz-Valencia thing. Yeah, yeah. Because there was an incident where uh, Juan Cala from Cadiz apparently directed some racial abuse at Muta de Acabi, who walked off and you could see a couple of Valencia players like Gabriel Paulista was there kind of looking back at Juan Keller saying, no, 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 you don't say that. Like you don't say that. So he obviously heard it, I think as well. Mm. There are positives and negatives, I think, to this situation in terms of the reaction. So the fact that all the Valencia players walked off the pitch, mm. positive, right? Because we've been saying this for ages. It's often on black players to make the call. Yeah. And I think that actually when I, when I heard, because I wasn't watching the game live, but when I heard that they'd all walked off, I was actually like, oh, fucking finally. Like a team who's prepared to just walk off for something like this. There was a 20 minute break, I think, or something like that before they came back out. Daikabi was not with them. No. He was substituted. He was watching in the stands, visibly upset. Juan Cala stayed on the pitch. Right. For Cadiz, but he was then substituted at half time. There's a really good thread that Colin Miller wrote about it because there were a number of contradicting factors at play. Valencia came out with a very, very strongly worded statement 
This is from Colin Miller's thread where he said they were forced into re-entering the pitch with the threat being outlined by the referee. Now, again, I think that like that threat could have been, for example, if I say to you, Musa, if you don't carry on here, then you're going to forfeit the match. Yeah. And the three points will be awarded to Cadiz. That could be taken as a threat, right? Right, right. Javi Grazia said it. We were told if we didn't return, we would be sanctioned. We spoke with Daikabi about how he was and he told us he wouldn't play, but he understood perfectly that we had to continue to avoid a possible sanction. So we returned. It's a mess for a start. It's yeah. an absolute mess. Yeah. And I think that, I w- like I said, with the, I, wanted, I wanted to highlight some positives in a very, very grim situation because I think that the, the, the speed and the willingness that the Valencia players walked off the pitch with yeah, I think is actually a small bit of progress. I know that sounds. F- no, it's not. It's, no, it's not. It's not grim because look, I didn't want to comment on this because I wanted the dust to settle because I wasn't. I, lo- I saw a lot of people going Valencia did this and that wrong, and I was like, hang on a minute. No, like, I mean, we yeah, don't I, know. That's the well, thing. exactly, we don't know. It's still yeah. evolving, and um, ultimately, it looks like there was alleged racial abuse. And what it's focusing on, you look at Dear Carby's reaction and his obvious distress. And then the reaction of his teammates, that to me was all I could really see as being established fact. All I mm. could see was his obvious distress and the obvious response of his teammates. So to me, that's not grim. That's, that's the one aspect I would even want to discuss and maybe even celebrate because that's what this is about fundamentally. Yeah, I think the fact that Gabriel Paulista turned around and repeated the alleged slur back to Juan Caller and said, no, 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 you don't, he's not a blah, 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 you know? Yeah. And you just see, you just see the reaction. It's, it's funny because you just see the kind of, his composure absolutely disintegrates Diakabi when you see him because it's something which is, you know, footballers hear all kinds of things during a match. They hear this all is, kinds of things. Is, yeah. But the dehumanization of it, I think people don't understand fully. For context, okay, for context, they're playing football in Spain and a few hundred kilometers south that weekend, you've got people as dark skinned as Diakabi about to drown because boats aren't rescuing them rescue boats aren't going out for them. Like you've got, this is happening just a few hundred kilometers south of where they're playing football. And the context of being, I don't know, it sounds dramatic. It'll be, oh, well, people say things about mothers and fathers all the time. Look, like black people in Europe, in mainland Europe, working class black people in Europe, from which is a demographic from which most black footballers in Europe will come. That demographic is under attack in a way people don't actually fully understand. Mm. So those, those comments hit home in the same way when you've got Bavarian TV showing um, a presenter wearing blackface in a satirical show. This stuff hits home because we as black people are dehumanized. Yeah. So when someone makes a comment like that, it's not just a passing thing. And they're basically going, ha you're part of that demographic that's drowning and no one cares. Like that's actually how deep it goes. And I don't talk about that aspect of it this much in the podcast, but it is directly linked it's directly linked to the disrespect that these people get, that, that black people get in, in mainland Europe. It's a thing. Like it's, mm. and, and Europe in general, it's a, you know. I think the thing for me is that people always say, you know, alleged, alleged, alleged. And yes, strictly speaking, yes, you should use alleged. But Daikabi's a footballer. Right. He wants to play football. Right. You don't react like that and then remove yourself from the game or request to be substituted because you want to play football, especially when you have another player repeating it back. I mean, obviously, Kala denied it. It's worth pointing out that Kadith are 
they're one of the most like socially conscious clubs in in La Liga right, as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like Colin said in his thread, are like very very active on this. You know, there were, there were loads of pieces when they came back up about the club. Yeah, and those who are aware of the club for a while, like they are really really good on this stuff. So I mean, yeah. I haven't seen anything from them yet. So I mean, like you say, I mean, you you said you wanted the dust to settle and. But I just wanted to to raise it because I thought it was an important. No, I appreciate you with the players walking off, and I think it also raises questions for La Liga, well, for the league, in terms of it's going to get nasty. I think because it's going to start coming out who made or who put pressure on Valencia. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just it's just an, a, yet another example, and I know we've kind of not been, <laughs> we've not been bat long. And we're already talking about stuff like this. So no, fair enough. No, I'm glad like, you did. I'm glad you did. Thank you. It's really it's really important because football is a term that I've used on the podcast before. Is that like every single football authority, pretty much in the world, it doesn't take much for them to completely fail on their duty of care towards their players. No, and Daikabi is he is a La Liga footballer. And if he or any other La Liga footballer is racially abused, then the league have to stand by them. And I think it would be really interesting to see what the outcomes are from this, because at the time of recording, we haven't seen any. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, on to more positive Yes. Stuff. And a big, big win for the Baggies. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Undefeated in the league in, against Chelsea this season. West Brom having scored eight goals and conceded five. That is a, hel- that is a, that is a healthy aggregate score. Is there anything Chelsea enjoy less than a first half against West Brom? <laughs> is there any footballing experience they enjoy less? <laughs> West Brom are just... What kind of blood magic they have done I don't know what they've done at the Hawthorns. I don't know what they've done, what they've created in the, in the bowels of the Hawthorns. But West Brom against Chelsea, um, I don't know what it is. Maybe the attack matches up to the defence. I, I can't work it out, but they were brilliant. Was, I, I think it was the 12 minutes of Branislav Ivanovic just completely threw them. Yeah, yeah. Although they did go 1-0 up and then concede a red card um, during that time before he then went off again. But... Trying to work out what it was. I mean, Thiago Silva obviously got the red. Um, yeah, which... what did you think about that? The second yellow felt harsh. Right, okay. So I'm, I'm torn on this because this is something that never gets punished and I'm always talking about it being punished. Mm. But I think it was so late. So the shot comes near to the box and he goes in late, Silva. Mm. And I think he gets, he gets booked for the late challenge and that's the one. They didn't seem... Mm, mm, mm. I could see what it was given. I yeah. could have... I yeah. could have I could have understood if it hadn't been. Um, 
But you know what's um, funny though? Do you know what's funny? Not not funny as in hilarious, but funny as in strange, ironic. Chelsea were undone by a slightly curving ball over the top that dropped behind the two defensive midfielders. And the whole thing about that Chelsea system, it relies on that sort of, to use a phrase that some football pundits hate, the double pivot in front of the, in front of the back line. And it dropped right into the gap that is meant to be occupied by two people. Should have been operated, operated by two generational talents. Generational <laughs> That was the one that seemed to get everyone really riled up. And I was just like, People this feels hate like a Musa subtweet. People hate generational talents. Uh, like, do you know what? Like, yeah. sorry, but anyone being like these terms in football, you shouldn't use them or are hipster. It's just like, do you know what? Off. Do you know what? They're, for oh, me, do you, know, they're, do you know what they like for me? They're like people who use the word woke as an insult. That's, yeah, that's the also, same energy. That's the like, same energy. As soon as anyone, <laughs> as soon as anyone drops the term hipster within regards to anything football, I'm just like, you know, the Seinfeld gif where he's like, I'm out. I'm out. Oh, I don't need to be. I don't need to be. I don't need to be in this conversation. If you're talking about hipster stuff in football, I don't need to be here because, sorry. Oh, hipster. They mean non-English. That's what I think. Oh, hipster. Oh, so you watched non-English football at some point. (laughs) I just, it's just like, what are you doing? Like, come on, man. Just let people live. Like, let them live. A lot, a lot of it is just an an evolution of language or an um, an adoption of, you know, the same people gladly talk about a trequatista or all of this kind or of shit. A cliche. Or like a roaming libero. They'll use the know? word cliche. Ryan, they'll take English, they'll take words to describe, they'll take foreign words to describe English experiences. They'll be talking about zeitgeists. They'll be talking about all yeah, that stuff without they'll any... Just, yeah. They'll be quick as fuck to drop a schadenfreude on yeah. some, something. It's just like, listen. Yeah. Take your generational talents and double pivot, hate, and get out of here. Yeah, the amount of people indulging in schadenfreude over Tuckle's 5 to defeat. Like, it was interesting. They would use the word Schadenfreude to describe it. I'm like, you know what you're doing? You do. <laughs> you can't, yeah, don't, don't, you can't use Schadenfreude on a generational talent coach. Yeah. It's okay to enjoy. It was using a double yeah. pivot. Yeah. I was also like, it's okay to enjoy other words in other languages. It's okay. It's really fine. And you know, it's okay as well. It's okay for other people to enjoy things you don't enjoy. It's a real like old school dude policing the sport kind yeah. of thing and it's just like fucking yawn 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 go away anyway do you know what's really funny about this as well before just the close wait till they bit. all start i can't wait until angry goals makes one of those lists and then we'll be like they're coming for us musa they're fucking coming for us do you know what it's like ryan it's like when justin bieber came out and all these people on twitter were like oh my gosh justin bieber's terrible i'm like you do realize he's amazing making music for teenagers who just want to have a joyful time you do realize this isn't your market you do realize he's not making music for cynical dudes growling into their pints because they can't emote. Like yeah, he's, he's not, not making like, them. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Not Justin Bieber it. isn't going to be like, God, I really hope the Steve Reich aficionados love my shit. Like, yeah, he doesn't yeah, care. He's not, yeah, like, he's he doesn't care. care. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I really, hope, I really hope there's a big crossover with Philip Glass fans here. Yeah. Like, no, no. Listen, if, there's, if, if you don't want joyful content, there's a long list of places you can get non-joyful content. Yeah, Stadio being one of them. Exactly. This is, this yeah. is dry as fuck out here. Exactly. Like, join us. Join yes, us. Sir. <laughs> anyway, we were talking about Chelsea and West Brom. Yes. West Brom, you know, shout out to them because they really went for it and the goals were beautiful. Like they so really, well constructed. Really, yeah. all of their goals were so good, man. So good. And it kind of made me think that like, I know it's very easy to do the whole like, oh, why, why don't they do this a lot more often? I think that you saw on the whole, maybe Barman City who have such a obscene squad depth. That a lot of clubs 
in the top half of the table kind of struggled a little bit after the international break. None of them were particularly fluid, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think United were probably lucky to get away with one at Old Trafford. Yes. Brighton giving both the Manchester sides a hard time this weekend for sure. I know. Yeah, wow. West Brom, as soon as they, you know, considering they were a goal down and then they went a man up, if you like, then they just absolutely went for Chelsea. It showed them no respect whatsoever. Isn't, and isn't I think that the lesson? Brilliant. Isn't that the lesson? Do you know what? Like every club, every team has got, every team's got a weakness on the planet. West Brom just went at the guts of Chelsea. They, they showed utter disrespect, which is a brave thing to do because Chelsea, the way they pass and shift the ball can really just tear you apart. But credit to them. Like they, they kept it up. And maybe that's a bit of a lesson to West Brom, right? Because we saw them in the first half against Chelsea. And it was almost like, this was almost the kind of, the result that West Brom deserved, which is the one I kind of dwell on this a little bit, because I saw that first half and I loved what they did. They kept it up. Whereas in the second half, in the 3-0, they didn't quite come out with the same bravery in the second half. Almost like, I mean, obviously Chelsea came out motivated, but there was also a sense of maybe let's protect what we have. Mm. And this is the lesson now. If, you know, Scott Parker showed that at Fulham as well. Fulham are still, they've still got their challenges, but you can play your way out of trouble in the Premier League. We have seen this time and again. Yeah, I think it's going to be a huge ask for West Brom, but I mean, it's given them a very, very, very small glimpse of potential safety. Um, it's one of those times when three points feels like more than three. It feels like a fourth point because you had the courage to go at a team that wasn't conceding. Mm. And I wonder what the ripple effect will be from them in the next, you know, couple of games. They have Southampton at home a week today. And Southampton have been very up and down. I mean, they had a really good result coming from behind to beat Burnley on the weekend, yeah, great which win. was massive for them. But they've obviously been very up and down since November. And they were top. <laughs> Southampton were top of the league this season, everyone. Amazing. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be tight. Yeah. As amazing as this win was, and I thought Sam Johnson was absolutely amazing, by the way, in goal. He made a couple of amazing yeah, saves yeah. at 1-0. Um, obviously, Pereira again, the hat-trick. Uh, big energy from Callum Robinson. Yeah. Being like, yeah, I, I should be in this team after the game. <laughs> I've been out of the team and I was like, I should be in this team. I love that though. Because yeah. a, a point of a season where you need those types of, you need that type of ego, those types of characters. And uh, wasn't it Diane? Got the fourth. The one, <laughs> the one thing that was wild, and I'm sure West Brom fans won't mind us talking about this because the performance was amazing and I'm, mm. I'm not sure... Are there, are there many West Brom fans who are Sam Allardyce stands? Uh, there's, always, there's, always, there's always a few. There's always a few. In but every the, club, there's a stand for the manager. the brown suit and the brown tie. Just when he was sat there, when he, uh, I think the fifth one went in and it yeah. cut to him and he was just like cross-legged. Just crossed his legs <laughs> in his suit and <laughs> it was just like energy. <laughs> the energy from Sam was actually energy. out of control. Was, was it Coventry that had the chocolate kit? Yes, they did. Yeah, and back I think in the Spurs day, yeah. had one a few years ago as well. <laughs> um, but obviously, the most famous is St. Pauli. St. Pauli playing a brown kit. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, huge win for West Brom. Statement victory. Don't West do Brom. it. That's, was, that on, was, that on, was that on the list? <laughs> Not yet. You can't say? Not yet. Props for Newcastle came from behind. Joe Willock, late equaliser to yeah. against Spurs. Uh, Mourinho is, is throwing people under the bus. But Kane just quietly accumulating goals in the Premier League like it's nothing. I told you, man. Nomad Kane is... Wild. I like him. Wild. Hair's getting longer, man. The beard's yeah. getting longer. And he had that one where he slipped for 3-1 uh, right near the end, which, I mean, his finish, his, his finish for the second was so good. Yeah, so assured. 
I think Grace Robertson wrote something on Twitter and it hadn't actually occurred to me until she said it, but it was like with considering the help he has, there's a there's a real genuine shout for Kane to be player of the season. And I was just like, whoa, I actually, I actually hadn't thought of that, but I don't think that's a massively wild shout. I it's not only because Ruben Diaz has transformed Manchester City. For he for me is my he's the one that for me is the best because he's transformed. Oh, he's such a hipster. Yeah, but he's, it's, you know what it is? Because I thought about it the other day and like, Gundogan's been amazing. I'm only kidding, by the way. Yeah, but so you know how someone always steps up at Man City in the attack? And I love that it's Gundogan, but it, if it wasn't him, it would have been De Bruyne or Foden. But the defence is just reconfigured. It's like, it's like the Van Dyke effect. It's just reconfigured the entire team. Um, but I do love, I think Kane is definitely a finalist for that conversation. And you know, it's, this is the, thing, the amazing thing as well. Who would have thought coming off Kane's injury that he'd be up there in the conversation with the great nines alongside Lukaku, Lewandowski and Holland. Kane is in the elite class again. This is the amazing yeah. thing. He's back up there with those, those three, I think. I agree. Yeah, shout out to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but Mourinho, yeah, throwing people under the bus. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, Jose. It's not a good look, Jose. It's really not. Uh, anywhere else you want to do in the Premier League before we move on? Um, I don't think so, actually. I mean, Arsenal were absolutely dreadful against Liverpool, but I think Liverpool were also very, very good. Liverpool looking, Liverpool with a surge for fourth. I mean, they could be in there. It's good yeah. shot, good shot for fourth. It's going to be, it's going to be tight that is because especially because Everton have got two games in hand on that lot at the top mm. as well. And if, if they pick up three, four, even six points. There was a big celebration from Trent Alexander-Arnold um, after he set up Diego Jota's mm. uh, for Liverpool, the opener. And you just saw the kind of relief in it. Like, you know, I don't know, it's hard to read something into it, but they've had a tough stretch Liverpool, but they look like they've worked out a few problems. Joe coming back, obviously, you know, mm. his injury was obviously a big, big issue for them. And Salah just looking so assured. I quite like Thiago and Fabinho as well as that too. And midfielders, they're quite... Yeah. But it's a nice blend, isn't it? The thing with Trent's a weird one because I think his exclusion from the England thing, yeah, he put a really, really good ball in for Jota's goal. But his delivery has never been a question. No, no, no. You don't pick a right back purely off their, the strength of their delivery. So I thought that like using that as an example as to why he should be picked for England, like really strange. Because like, admittedly, he's not had the greatest season, Trent. He's, he's an amazing player. No one's written him off. But I yeah. mean, it's like we said before, people are going to struggle this season because just the situation that they're being dealt with, yeah. or the, the situation they're in, yeah, Trent can miss a few England games. He's going to go to the Euros because he's, he's good enough. Yeah. But like Kieran Trippier has been really, really good for Atleti a lot this season. And his inclusion as a right back isn't some kind of curveball. No, he's, it's really, no, he's like, he obviously had that spell out a little bit and then he's come back in. He's been, he's, he's, he's an integral part of Atleti. Like they really missed him when he wasn't yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, big and deal. Despite their stuttering, they are top of the league. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I think, again, it was just a kind of an extreme thing with Trent. It's just like, I never really thought the worries about him were that great. I think he was, you know, he's a young player who I use that term that they often use in the NBA, like kind of hit the rookie wall a little bit. Mm, yeah, Every yeah, yeah. young player goes through it and he's going to still progress to be one of the best right backs in the world. And it was a lovely ball in, don't get me wrong. I think it was amazing. But obviously we know he can do this. So I just found it a little bit weird that people like massively overhyping the the fact that Trent Alexander-Arnold can still cross a ball. Yeah, it was no, like I think it was more the kind of, yeah. For him. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I mean, I'm really pleased for him and I think that he's been copping a lot of shit recently from people. And, it's a, and it is hard. But again, how many times have we said this this season? 
people going after individual players to that degree during the season that we're having, it's like just a little bit of compassion or maybe even just a slight acknowledgement that this isn't a normal season. You can't be, I don't think you can be criticizing players' performances as much as you would yeah. be in a not if also can I say fullbacks have a lot more homework people seem to forget how much homework fullbacks actually have mm. the job of like overlapping delivering like a winger defending like a fullback covering space covering the space inside you that's like three different jobs yeah, it's wild there's very them, yeah, yeah yeah it's very almost physically yeah, demanding yeah. modern yeah. P- p- uh, positions I think yeah like yeah and very few players I mean you look at sort of like maybe like Lillian Turam and a couple of others very few players have actually done that job to, perf- to a perfect level mm. like, throughout their careers. Yeah, that's how it is. Uh, quickly, before we move on from England, I just want to quickly touch on some WSL news. So yeah, big yeah. wins for Chelsea over Birmingham 6-0, Arsenal beat Bristol City 4-0, but the, and Manchester City beat Spurs 3-0. The big result of the weekend was Brighton beating Manchester United 1-0. And yeah. Manchester United have hit a bit of a tricky patch of form that's coincided with some injuries it should be added and obviously they are still fourth in the table where I think that would have been their goal before Mm. the season I imagine that result was huge for Arsenal because it meant that Arsenal are now above Manchester United with a game in hand they're 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 above them on goal difference with a game in hand so Arsenal having looked like for a little bit for a little while that they were going to miss out on the Champions League are now in pole position to secure that third Champions League spot three games of the season left for Chelsea and Manchester City Uh, Arsenal got four two points in it at the top and Chelsea and Manchester City play each other on the 25th of April also congrats to Leicester City promoted from the Championship yeah they'll be in the Women's Super League next season so a great great season for them I'm really looking forward to seeing Leicester in the Women's Super League do you want to do quickly those German Cup, Crown Pokal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iron um, are out. Yes. So uh, leaping across to Germany and the big news there is Wolfsburg Frauen 2, Bayern 0 in the semi-final of the Women's uh, German Cup, the DFB Pokal. This is a huge win for Wolfsburg because Bayern undefeated well. They've won every game in the Bundesliga this year, in the Frauen Bundesliga this year. So this is not only a symbolic victory, it's, it's a chance for Wolfsburg to get silverware, but also to reassert some of their old strength. And it's funny mm-hmm. because this is a game. So Alex Pop doesn't score as many goals as he used to for Wolfsburg because her role's changed a bit. But it is fascinating that she again got the decisive opener. She did this in the game in the league last year. I think the one all at Wolfsburg, she did that same thing. And it's funny because the way she asserts herself in these matches is really striking. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so, she's just an absolute don. She's extraordinary. It's funny because she did the same thing she did in the other game, which is that she began and ended the move. Do you remember when we did the All-Star game last yeah, year? Yeah, 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 yeah. You had her at left back. I did. But the thing I is, did. she is good enough to play there. She has played there before. Yeah, she, she won she a Champions play, League there. Yeah. She can play anywhere. But I was just like, really? You're going to play Alex Pop at left back? Most yeah, do not you know, I'm so smug about this? Because I got a message. I got a message from Brussels about that. From a German friend, shout out to Martin Harris Hess. He was like, yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah. Love it. He was like, yeah, she's played there. She's, she's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so, yeah, she was playing a kind of almost like, well, she, the goal that she created, she created from a deep lying position, a kind of David Silver type, deep lying, mm-hmm. broke, um, and then finished beautifully. And Ava Payor on half time. And it was, Payor's had injury problems. Her return has been massive. Which for, is, yeah, really big. And mm-hmm. shout out to Jasmina Schreimler, who, 
always did a great kind of bit of reportage on that and basically made the great point that this Bayern team, you know, you, you have to go at them. Yeah. This is the thing. They're vulnerable if you go at them. Because I, you know, we've been watching obviously in the latest stages of this uh, Women's Champions League, the teams, and it's almost like each team shows brilliance and then vulnerability at a different point. The only ones that haven't really a Barca, I suppose, you know, and what's so striking about this was that this was almost like Wolfsburg, the gunslingers. Can I remember who they were? Yeah, yeah, they had, and they, they really had to because if Bayern go on and win this, then the kind of narrative about is the changing of the guard mm. gathers full momentum. Whereas this way, it's like, nah, they're still dangerous. Like, Yeah, I mean, bear in mind that what, uh, Wolfsburg won a double last season. Right. And they've won multiple doubles over the last few years. Right. Stopping Bayern from winning a double, I think, is actually more of a bigger deal than it may seem. And also, no, it's it huge, was, like, yeah. Bayern had just won 26 straight games in all comps. Right. Yeah, 26 yeah. straight. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> like, ending that run now, I think, is massive for them. Because Wolfsburg as well, remember, went on that huge unbeaten run in, in, in the Frau Bundesliga. Yeah. It's really important to stop that as quick as yes. possible, especially when there's a shift in the guard, for quote unquote, you know. But, um, but yeah, big weekend. Absolutely. So yeah, Wolfsburg will play Eintracht in the finale. Eintracht has their first season as Eintracht after rebranding from FFC. Mm. Let's move to France because in Liga there was a massive game at the top of the table. Lille beating PSG in the part of France. So Jonathan David coming up big. Um, yeah, shouts to Canada. 21 years old, already attracting attention from pretty much everywhere. And this was huge. So Neymar got a red in this, which is maybe the kind of headline from this match. And it's funny, watching Neymar get frustrated in a game is something. And Jonathan Wilson wrote an interesting piece in The Guardian about the challenges of Neymar in this team. And not so much that Neymar was greedy, but that Neymar's desire to contribute disrupts the shape, which I think is a fair shout. There's an, it's almost an element of a man running out of time. A man running out of time to seize a legacy, to make a thing happen. And actually, it's like watching a novelist trying to write prose that is too hyperactive because they're trying to almost regain the promise of the early career, if that makes sense. Mm. So you'll see novelists release like a fourth or fifth novel. It's like, no, you're too hyper. Just go back to, you know, try and relax if you can. And I see that with Neymar, the anxiety, because those two yellows were absolutely born out of frustration, particularly the second one. Yeah, I mean, the second one was soft, but... It's it, it, was, it was soft, but it was wild. It was like, your Neymar, it's almost like you've... Someone at your level, someone that's seen all the provocations you've seen, someone that's seen all the challenges you've seen, shouldn't be doing that. And weirdly enough, the absence of Neymar it restores shape to PSG. This is the strange thing. Jonathan in that article, same article, made the point that one of the most impressive victories against Barca came without Neymar. Now, Barca weren't at their best, but I don't think that PSG's advance in the Champions League necessarily depends on his presence, if that makes sense. I don't think it depends on his presence. Uh, curious football team, PSG. Yeah, currently. very curious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have not been great in quite a number of patches in Liga this season. Mm, and I yeah. can't quite figure out how to fix it. I think that they are, like in terms of talent wise, I think that we've said this before, they're very top heavy. Mm, um, yes, yes. And I don't think they've necessarily replaced certain players like from a leadership standpoint either. No. I, I do think Neymar may be an issue with, it, with that because I think that they signed him for a reason. Yeah. I think it's also fair to say though that he, you know, because of the hype around him as a, as a superstar, I, sometimes I think he gets overlooked just how good a footballer he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like a hierarchy thing. 
You know, it's like there's like a hierarchy within a squad, and I think that what happened when he, I think it, when he was at Barca, he was like third. It was yes. very much like Messi, Suarez, Neymar in like a seniority yeah. thing, and he really loved playing that younger brother role. I think. Right. In the last couple of years, I think he's been quite impressive as more of a senior member mm. of the squad. But I still don't think he's. I think he needs someone else above him, really, really kind of taking charge. I think there's something else going on as well, which is that there's a very there's an abnormal the skew in the PSG season, the, the sheer importance of the Champions League in relation to the league, which means that you have this awful situation where so many games are effectively just like warm up or keeping fit for the Champions League, and the fact that Neymar has been out for pivotal games with injury for the Champions League. It's created this really strange flow to the season where, you know, like you're playing for Barcelona in 2015 as Neymar was with strong teams against you. You know, there was a lot of depth in that league. It's, it sounds strange to say it, but even just a few years ago, you know, La Liga was deep in teams that could really hurt you with really good football on the front foot. So Neymar went from that where every single game matters to games where everyone gives you their best shot. No one's expecting to win. So they don't care how they go at you. They might kick at you. They might nudge at you. They might really wind you up because every single team knows that beating the great PSG is something they'll tell their grandchildren about. And that creates a very different energy for a player like Neymar. People are coming at you in a different way. And it's not mm. like playing as Athletic where Athletic will respectfully like kick lumps out of you and give you a tough game. But fundamentally, they're like footballing peers. This is like every team is coming at you with, we're Robin Hood. Mm. And that is a very different type of scrutiny and pressure. It's almost like, you know, he's almost getting the same attention that he got from defenders at Santos, obviously with a bit more protection. The same kind of energy of the Santos era, but with, with none of the kind of sense of, you're not the superhero anymore. Mm. You're just the bad guy. And I, I wonder how much that plays in him because watching some of his red cards, it's funny how many of them come from like, just that frustration. I don't know, I think it's a really abnormal thing he stepped into. And to be honest, Ryan, it's almost unprecedented. If you consider a football of that quality, you've never, we've never seen a footballer of that quality at that stage of their career take a career step like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't... Uh, mm, we haven't, we haven't, no. though, we haven't, because Mbappe moved to PSG, but Mbappe is still, was still coming through, right? Even though he won the World yeah. Cup. I mean, to be honest, though, I mean, his red card, I mean, it came right it at the end fact. of the game and it wasn't, it didn't, I don't think it affected the game at all. So I don't think PSG lost the game because of his red card, for example. And also, obviously, Giallo got sent off as well at the same time. I mean, to be honest, he made a meal of it. I think it was soft, both of them. I think the ref yeah. could have just been like, listen, stop. Like, if you're going to send them both off, just leave them on. It's just, it's so, it was so silly. Just to be like, right, lads, yeah. stop it. It's not like, yeah. it's not like they had a fist fight. Yeah. Lille are now three points clear at the top of the league. And PSG have got to be careful, you know, because Monaco are only a point behind them now. And even though Le oh, Leon drew on the weekend, but even then, Leon are only two points behind PSG. So PSG are on 63 points. Monaco 62, uh, Leon 61. And I think PSG have lost eight times. I think they've lost the most out of any of the top four. This is the thing, so they can be got. PSG fans will obviously hate this, but I think that for league uh, as a whole, as a spectacle and as a neutral, I think it is really exciting. I, th I think PSG will still be okay. I wonder whether PSG fans will be okay with them coming fourth and winning the Champions League. I think they'll be fine with that, right? I think, yeah, the ones, well, I, I know a couple of boring, PSG huh? fans. I know a couple of PSG fans, they'd be happy with that. Yeah. I mean, you can't, yeah. I mean, win the Champions League. 
It's the Champions League. It's like, oh no, PSG aren't going to win in, PSG aren't going to qualify for the Champions League. It's just like, hold my beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anything else you want to cover before we bounce? We're going to swerve the Bundesliga this week, although there were key victories for Eintracht away at Dortmund. That's the first time they've won at Dortmund for ages. And Bayern beating Leipzig in the title, well, it was the uh, top spiel der Woche. Yeah. Glad back, back to winning ways, which is important. Well, actually no, because they beat Schalke just before the international break, but still continuing winning ways. But the main game I thought from Germany from the weekend was um, uh, Hanover highest foul in the Schweizer Bundesliga. Oh no, oh no, you couldn't leave them alone. Oh no. Hamburg doing their best to uh, not qualify again. I mean, they basically were 3-0 up and ended up drawing 3 all. This would be the third year in a row this had happened. Yep. I mean, the thing is, Holstein Kiel have had two games. They've got two games in hand because of a COVID pause and they're only four points behind Hamburg. Greuterfurt are... level on points to Hamburg, Bochum are four points out in front. So if Holstein Kiel, which is a big if, I think their games in hand are against, I think one's against Heidenheim, which is actually tomorrow. Mm. And I think the other one is against Hanover at home. They win those two games, they go above Hasfau into second. This would, this would be the third in a row, wouldn't it? But it'd be such a shame that because they've like, They've actually been playing really well at points this season. This was the case the last two years, Ryan. Oh, God. Ryan, we've had this before. Oh, and the worst God. thing was, I was seeing Haasfeld pride. I was seeing people putting, people putting flags up. Stop it. Don't troll. But they knew what this was. But let's see how it plays out. So, yeah, worth keeping an eye on the Spider Bundesliga for the running because it's looking bloody great. Um, we skipped Serie A this week, but uh, Inter win again. Yeah. Juve draw again. And the league is looking more and more likely yeah. to be going into his way. To be going into his way indeed. Anything else you want to add, Musa? No, it's good. I'm good. I'm good. All right, let's get out of here. Let's do it. Yeah, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Yeah. We do hope yeah. you're all hanging in there. Don't forget, you can check us on Twitter at Stadio. You can check us on Instagram at Stadio Football. You can now go to stadio.football to read some non-ringer stuff, but we do recommend that you keep an eye on the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Obviously, Champions League's back this week. Yes. And also With so the is the Europa League, which means it's going to be fucking stuck in my head, that theme tune again. Like, God damn it. <laughs> Make it go away. <laughs> But you love it. <laughs> it's like a dreadful Gillette advert. Oh, God. Yeah, Righty's House this week. You'll be on Righty's House. You'll yes. be on with Righty on Righty's House this week. Uncle Spesh. Big Uncle Energy. Oh, get the Rolnex out and uh, talk about the good old days. Indeed. Uh, we're playing out on Lord of Mercy and Digo Greenwoods. Yeah, shouts to Digo. Absolute Don. Absolute Don. He was texting me this morning, actually. He was uh, giving me a load of shit for not working out properly. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> Love him. Fun fact... Two of the four gentlemen who are responsible for the Writer's House theme tune. Ah. Yes, Mr. Digo and his crew, uh, Tate and Mensa, Lord and Ranks, are the four dudes who did the, the Writer's House theme tune. Absolute oh, wow. legends. Anything you want to add, Musok Wonga? What, what? How can I follow that? How can I follow that? Come on, pedal some nonsense before we get out of here, please. It's been a while. Ryan, it's always a joy to see you. That's all I've got oh to say. God, this guy, man. <laughs> Pandering to the base. First one back. <laughs> no change. <laughs> I'll get out of here. <laughs> I'll let Ryan say goodbye to you all. <laughs>
I'll see. Yeah, this see might be the last time, people. I think I might have to uh, look for a new <laughs> challenge in quotation marks. <laughs> uh, take care, everyone. Much love, and we'll be back on Thursday.